everyone, and thank you for joining into Collect Calls. This podcast is curated by students at Carleton University, working alongside with the Criminalization and Punishment Education Project, CPEP, in Ottawa, Canada. Before starting the podcast, we would like to first acknowledge the land on which we recorded this podcast and on which Carleton University is situated is the traditional, unceded, and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Nation. The following episode is an excerpt from an interview where we invited formerly incarcerated individuals and their families to speak on their experiences with the criminal justice system. Our goal in mind was to give these individuals a chance to speak for themselves, to voice their opinions on a system that has impacted their lives so greatly, rather than allowing for the same system to continue to speak for them. In further acknowledgement, we also want to recognize the overrepresentation of Black and Indigenous people in jails and prisons across Canada, one of the many lasting impacts of colonialism. We'd like to inform that the following podcast will be discussing sensitive topics and some vulgar language may be used. We caution listeners to be advised. If any of the following subjects trigger you, there are links in the description for counseling resources. Thank you. Let me get my questions ready. Perfect. We're on. <laughs> Before I begin, do you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself? Introduce yourself. So a bit of a background. Uh, I don't know. I've been sentenced to uh, about 26, 25 and a half years so far out of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That's about it. I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, who are you outside of somebody who gets in trouble like are you a are you a brother are you a dad are you uh i have uh brothers i have daughters yeah i have three daughters uh 31 30 and eight. Oh, nice yeah crazy i got five grandkids <laughs> well, that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah right uh yeah that's about it um okay so getting into um well, well, first of all, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. I'm glad that your your family line is continuing. You got all these kids running yeah. around. Like, that's exciting. But what was your experience like in prison? And, like, how did, how did you feel while you were in prison? Uh, my biggest complaint about prison would have been the health care. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys in there are suffering a great deal from different injuries or uh, past uh injuries like i have crazy back pain i got uh degenerated discs i got uh nerve root all that stuff and like anybody that with any kind of medical issues they don't get any kind of medication for it like i had a doctor order uh thc pills for me for pain uh csc pharmacy turned it down how a how a doctor's going to order medication for you and a pharmacist is going to deny it makes absolutely no sense at all yeah, I don't understand that either. That's not really like if somebody needs it, if that's part of their treatment plan, like 
what why are you going to stop them because they're in prison or something like that it doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense at all especially when i have a license for uh thc marijuana out in the community so now all of a sudden i go to prison and i, I don't qualify for thc pills yeah it makes no sense and they pers- they actually uh in the end they did actually prescribe uh after a lawsuit i started a lawsuit against them so the next time a doctor prescribed medication for me they actually gave it to me and uh didn't didn't give me a hard time and that medication was uh hydromorphs and uh delatas so not very many people in the federal system would ever get any kind of medication like that they, they tried to make me go on methadone i'm not even a drug addict i have no past drug history like that why would you try and put me on methadone yeah that's makes no bad. sense it's not really healthy for you either. That wouldn't really be like, that wouldn't make you any better. If anything, that'd just get you addicted to something. Horrible. Liquid handcuffs. That's all methadone is for inmates. Liquid handcuffs. They even on the street, like these people, they rely on this every day. They have to wake up and literally run to a pharmacy every day. So they're not sick. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Why would I want us to, why would I want to even entertain the idea of even starting something like that? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You want to talk about what the conditions were like in prison and what kind of people are there? Even what uh, like? Guys are good. For the most part, everybody's good. Yeah. There's uh, when you're in a higher class, higher, higher security class, like maximum, you don't have to worry about all those sex offenders and all those idiots because they don't, uh, they don't last there in general population. Right. So you're pretty good there. Uh, when you get down to the medium, medium and the minimum, institutions there's all kinds of creeps like that it's like uh yeah you just basically have to put your blinders on and do your own thing right yeah did you learn anything in prison and if so what did you learn uh i never did any schooling or anything like that when i was in there so no i never i never learned anything in prison really like as far as like good stuff to learn like Mm -hmm. educational wise or stuff like that you just basically in jail you just learn to be a better criminal everybody's there for this different reasons or whatever and everybody just it's all about stories every day. Everybody's telling stories and you just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are there yeah. any bonds or connections formed when you're incarcerated? People, people meet lots of people. Uh, me personally, I, I left there with uh, very few phone numbers. I don't really care to meet a lot of those people from on the street. Uh, the sad part is a lot of them are there. They're, they're seem like really good guys, but as soon as when they hit the street, they're nothing but drug addicts. Do you think their drug addictions have anything to do with what, what leads them to prison? And like, even for yourself, like, what do you think led you to prison in general? For, for sure it does. Everybody, see, this is the part that kills me. So you got all these people that are out there committing crime and doing robberies or whatever, home invasions or whatever to support their drug addiction. Now they go to prison and they take an ICPM moderate, moderate or high intensity program on a moderate, moderate program, which is like uh 50 sessions I do believe it is something like that there's two sessions that talk about drugs so you got maybe an hour and a half to two hours in the morning and an hour and a half to two hours in the afternoon of a program if, if you're doing it morning and afternoons a lot of them are just mornings or afternoons so let's say let's say a total of four hours in in that program about drug addiction so these people get in trouble go to the pen get sentenced to how many ever years they get sentenced to they go to the pen they're supposed to be getting rehabilitated in the pen and CSC's given them a four hour session on drugs and then they kick them out the door and they're supposed to be healed. A lot of these guys get out and they go back and they do the same thing that they were doing when they, when they left and went to jail and they're overdosing and dying. Yeah. These people are dying like all the time. Like it's not even funny. It's, it's, it's sickening. It is. It's, it's awful. Like my dad, 
like not to make this depressing or anything, but just this May, like past May in 2020, my dad like overdosed on fentanyl and he was in the pen for a while, like a really long time. And like, he had a drug addiction from like, since he was like 14 or something, like he's been doing drugs his whole life. And like, where was the rehabilitation? Like, what the fuck? He was like, they literally could have did something. I remember one year he like overdosed on my birthday, like right then and there, like did the guards not sense there was a problem? Maybe he needed some help. Like, I don't understand why like people go to jail and they become prisoners and like people stop giving a fuck about them. It doesn't make sense. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about the communication in prison? Like, did you talk to your family a lot? Were you isolated? I did actually. I, uh, I spent a lot of time talking to my family. Uh, I had a lot of, a lot of communication with my family. That's good. Um, how did being separated from the, the outside world like affect your mental health? Did it have any effect at all? Do you think? No, no. I just uh, you miss you miss your family and you miss your daily activity, everyday activities. But uh, for the most part, you just adjust to your surroundings, right? Yeah. And do you? Think you have no choice. <laughs> yeah, really. Believe me, you have no choice. You know, it's just get comfortable, or uh, you know. Yeah. What happens, do you think, when, to the people who don't get comfortable and, like, the people who, who aren't okay? Uh, well, it's prison. Anything can happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think your sentence affected your relationship with your family at all? Or, like, your friends? Loved ones? Of course it did. I missed seven, seven years of my life with my daughter. I'll never get that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, not only my one, my one daughter, all my daughters my grandkids i there's grandkids i haven't even met so yeah i've only been released since uh october mm-hmm. of last year right so i've only been in i've been on house arrest with an ankle person so i haven't been able to do anything oh yeah that's true do you want to talk about getting out of prison how how is that uh well i got out at 130 pounds i was pretty sick i have uh chemo i have cancer i'm currently doing chemo and uh Here's a kicker for you. So I got prescribed chemo uh, two weeks before Christmas in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, they give me the chemo and I, I clearly heard the oncologist when I was at the appointment, they said, you are going to be getting three pills a day. So when I got back to the jail, I was given my prescription for the, for the chemo pills and there was only one, one pill a day. I said to them, I said, listen, I spoke to them to the oncologist they told me three pills a day they're like okay well let me call the pharmacy and check and we'll get this all straightened out well, they came back and told me that the the one pill is the right dose is three doses into one so i was only getting one pill long story short they gave me the wrong chemo dose for for a month mm. only a third of what i was supposed to be getting which is not good at all that's awful like no because now my body basically got used to it and i'm still there's a year and a year and uh three months later my blood counts are still uh my white blood cells and my lymphocytes are both over 100 mm-hmm. normals uh 4 to 11 on your lymphocytes and your white blood cells normal is uh or sorry on your white blood cells nor- normal is 4 to 11 on your lymphocytes normal is 1 to 4 mine's over 100 so mm-hmm. after a year of doing chemo And like, do you want to talk about the medical care? How, like you said in the beginning, the medical care is shit. Like this is just an example of how like terrible it really is. Like horrible, absolutely horrible. There's so many people suffering at the hands of CSC. It's ridiculous. Um, 
what do you think the hardest part was in terms of adjusting once you did get out? And like, do you feel like you're adjusted now? Uh, really edgy, uh, overwhelmed. There's mm -hmm. too much, too much going on around me at once. I'm not used to that. I'm used to just laying in my cell, watching TV and doing my own thing type deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get out here and <clears throat> you go to the doctor's office or something, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, it was so overwhelming. Right. I was incarcerated for seven years, so. Yeah, it's like completely different once you get out. There's so many people around. Like, yeah, you're used to people being around, but they're all the same gender. Yeah, <laughs> like, so. yeah right? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, I don't think I would be able to handle it either. Too much. I like, I don't leave my room. There's too much stimulation <laughs> outside my room. So if I had to go from jail to like the outside world, I'd be fucked. Like, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Um, what was it like applying for jobs or like living a normal life? Have you tried to apply since you've gotten out of prison? Or what's no, no, I'm uh, currently doing the chemo. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm like uh, really tired all the time and yeah. I'm unable, unable to work and hold down a job, right? <clears throat> Are you able to get like assistance at all so that you like can have an income while you're I'm on uh, disability okay. ODSP, so. That's Basically, they give you like I think it's like eleven hundred bucks a month again. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just making sure you're. Uh, they didn't leave you yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, they left me high and dry for the first month I was out. The first thirty days, they basically said that I missed the cutoff for the ODSP, and when I went to, uh, they made me go to welfare, and welfare said you're missed their cutoff or something too. So, for thirty days, like. I wasn't able to get any kind of assistance from anybody. So here you got all these guys getting out of prison. Mm -hmm. that are relying on a check from the government whether it be for a room for a week or something to help them like food or a shelter or something like clothes to put on their back something and these guys are getting out of prison and they're unable in my situation they're, they're it's just the same no different for me they get out and they can't get any help no wonder why they turn back to crime and go and do whatever they're doing to try and make money they have no money they're getting out of jail they kicked them out the door with nothing mm-hmm obviously they're going to go back to that life yeah no i agree <clears throat> give them bus tickets and tell them like they don't even care where they go or where they end up after it's like somebody as else long, that we interviewed too yeah as long as they leave the city that they're in when they're released so a lot of the a lot of the jails they just it's done through the whatever they make sure that you actually get in the van at the jail bring you to the bus terminal drop you off and make sure you get on a bus and leave town Mm -hmm. period yeah they don't as long as you leave their city they don't care what happens to you after that once you get on that bus you're nothing to them they don't give mm -hmm. a shit about you you go do whatever you got to do because they and look at my situation and i got out to nothing these people are getting out to nothing what do you think they're going to do where are they going to go yeah they're going to go commit crime to get money to f get a freaking hotel room for the night if they if need be or food or whatever they need clothes whatever you know they're not just going to sit there and just have nothing and nowhere to go they're going to do what they what they are what they're used to doing what they're normally capable of doing yeah to make to make ends meet right yeah and people need to survive we need to eat <clears throat> that's right yeah clothes and stuff for me getting out if i had medication that i was supposed to be taking i have to i have to go and apply for like because uh, it was seven years for me other people may be different but i have to go apply for a new ohip coverage card i have to apply for a new driver's license i have to apply for a new 
whatever I didn't have, like, everything's expired, passports, driver's licenses, health card, everything's expired. Mm-hmm. So in my situation, like I got out to nothing. I couldn't even go and get any medication for the first couple of days. If it wasn't for the jail, giving me the medication for two weeks after I'm being released, I would have had nothing. I would have had no medication. And in a provincial jail, uh, they ain't giving you no medication to go home with. So these guys are going home with no, with no meds, no nothing. What do you, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go and they're going to go right to the street and they're going to get whatever they need to take care of whatever pain they have, you know? Sad. It's really sad. It is sad, but it may, like it's, it makes sense if you think of it like that. Like they, people are suffering and like they're being left with nothing. But I, I tortured. Was, they're being tortured. Yeah. Literally, I was tortured, like tortured. I was in pain every day to the fact that at nighttime, some nights I would have tears rolling down my face because the pain was so bad. I had to have a standoff in Max, Collins Bay Max. The whole, the whole Collins Bay Max stood out, stood out, refused to lock up. We had to have a standoff with the guards just to get healthcare, to get a doctor down there and do something about the pain. Should never come to that, yeah. ever, ever. What do you think would have helped you better transition into society once you got out of prison? Mm, I don't know. There's not really nothing that it's, it's in all reality, it's up to the person being released. Mm. You either, you either want to get out and do well for yourself or you want to get out and be an idiot and go and do something else to line up your next pen bit. You know what I mean? It's, it's entirely up to, up to each individual person that's released what they want to do with their lives. Right yeah no i i see what you're saying it's not like nobody can just be cured of it you have to be you have to want it you have to do it for you right they used to have a program called nsap and uh choices and all this other stuff but the nsap was basically all on drugs well they took it away well how do you expect these guys they made this one big program icpm moderate or high intensity either or you take either or some people don't have to take any programs but how can you expect a drug addict that commits crime and goes to prison and our prison system is supposed to help him and he goes there and you want to talk to him for four hours about drugs and then send him home and he's supposed to be healed? Like, really? It's a fucking joke, literally. Mm-hmm. What bugs me is the kid that you have, the daughter that's sitting at home crying or the son that you have that's sitting at home crying because they no longer have a father. Well, if this fucking prison system if this jail would have fucking done something for this person and pounded into their head that you know hey this this is no good for you this is no good for you You, there's a better way you need this or you need that you know if they would have done something anything for that inmate maybe they would have had a different outcome if there were statistics on every person that was released from jail and died within the first week from overdose you would be sick to your stomach i know honestly that's why I'm doing stuff like this. Like I, I want to research and I want to like uncover the truth behind things and, and show people like this stuff is not working. Like the system we have now is not helping people. It's literally killing people and, and people are suffering in there and we're just letting this happen and thinking that it's making a difference and it's not like we could, there's people in jail who are so smart and like who have like so such amazing skills like my dad could build anything like he was a sick individual like i don't understand like it's like 
they're still valuable members to society regardless of the fact that they committed a crime regardless of what the crime is maybe okay like a child molesters those people they can go away but like <laughs> yeah forever but like i mean people like who rob people or people who sell drugs like okay i'm selling drugs to feed my family or people who do but, drugs but the sad the sad part is a lot of people are selling drugs to feed their families yeah that's that's the saddest part in the world like yeah and like even the people doing drugs get criminalized it's like why am i getting criminalized and thrown in jail because i have an addiction like this is not my fault yeah maybe i'm the one i'm the one who took the drug but my brain is the one that got addicted to it like i didn't tell myself to get addicted kind of thing yeah and the saddest part is it's a, it's a doctor when he broke their collarbone or their foot in a car accident mm -hmm. or something something bad happened where they they yep. needed to be prescribed medication like that and then they just got started taking in like the oxycontin look at how many people ruin their lives over oxycontin doctors that's all prescribed by doctors most of yeah. it fentanyl created by us i remember i can't remember his name but like this the guy his whole family is like millionaires because this guy's killing people and it's like what the heck like what what is what is this use what what use does this drug have in the medical field if it's killing people in the streets why are you guys still processing it it's horrible but anyway, <laughs> yeah. how do you feel Overall. about like limitations like being put on you after your sentence is completed? Like, do you think that's, I think it's ridiculous. I think you, you, you're just setting people up. Like when they send people out with these curfews and this other crap, stupid conditions that they give them, uh, you're setting people up for failure and you're, you're giving people conditions that really like, I could give you an example. I was just released from prison and one of my conditions was I was not allowed to own or possess a motorcycle. Like absolutely ridiculous. I actually fought it and challenged the challenged the Pro Board of Canada through the appeals. Uh I appealed it and I recently just won the won the condition. I'm allowed to ride a motorcycle now. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't stop me from riding a motorcycle. That's ridiculous. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, like, just because you guys make an assumption about my lifestyle. The, the part that kills me is riding around on a motorcycle is usually done alone. Yeah. By yourself. So, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, really, really, absolutely ridiculous. Even the pro board, even the appeals, the appeals uh, division of the pro board said, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you said it already, but I'll just ask just so you can go talk more about it. Like, do you think the justice system sets people up for failure? Yeah, I really do. Yeah. When you, when, first of all, when you're not treating them properly, they set everybody up for failure. Yeah. They don't, they don't give them the proper, proper guidance and help that they need when they get into those places. Um, what are some things that could be implemented in prisons that would help? A drug program for first of all everybody everybody that is there on drug like the reason being that they have a drug addiction whether they're committing crime selling drugs or doing stealing stuff whatever they're doing to feed their addiction that addiction needs to be taken care of they need, they need to work on their addiction they need to go and do an actual program that talks about drugs and it deals with the actual what brought them to using drugs in the first place everybody everybody's using drugs for different reasons they mask pain do this do that they want to feel good whatever it is they need to get to the bottom of that and treat that 
itself, not just throw them in there for five, six years and hope that a four hour fucking drug talk session is going to cure them. It's not, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like how, how would that work? What, in what scenario would that be successful when there's so there, they have evidence of what is successful. Like there, there's so much statistics around how like, like rebuilding communities and just like helping people, like giving people money, giving people assistance, how it helps. And they just like ignore that and do the complete opposite and think it's going to, it's going to work. Yeah. But the sad part is they don't want these people to get, to get their lives together and get their shit together because they're basically this job security for them. Yeah. Really. Is- I hate to say it, but it's, it's the truth. They want you to come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Yeah. They, they need you to be a criminal because they need a job. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's uh, the parole officers, the uh, social workers, the correctional officers, they don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> and I hate to say it. They don't care. They don't give a fuck. Just come back. Just keep coming back. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why they're not treating people the way they should be treating them. They're not dealing with their addiction issues. They're not dealing with their mental health issues. They're not dealing with their health issues. They're not dealing. They don't care. They don't care about nothing. They just you're just there as long as you have your bed and your food. They don't give a fuck about nothing. <laughs> yeah. How do you think society treats criminals? And how, in your opinion, how would you like to be treated as somebody who has been to prison? I don't know. I don't. I don't go around telling people in society I've been to prison. So they, there's no reason for them to treat me any different because they don't know anything about me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like people I know, I really don't care what they think of me, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I am who I am. That's it. And I'm always going to be the person that I am, and yeah, they don't like it. Fuck, there, there's the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, people's opinions shouldn't. Do Doesn't you matter. Think to me. Opinion like matters though in society when it comes to being a criminal like for a lot of people i'm sure it does but for for me it doesn't i couldn't give a shit what anybody thinks about me to be honest with you (laughs) i know i know i know what i'm capable of like myself as a as a father as a husband as a whatever it may be uh i know i know i'm a good person i'm not a i'm not a piece of shit that's out there trying to do whatever you know i I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with myself. I'm not. Uh, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. To be honest with you. Yeah, there's a saying. I think it's like I know what I bring to the table, so I'm not scared to eat alone. That's like kind of the same thing that what you're saying. Like, that's a really good saying. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I know. I'm like fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> that's cool. I'm- yeah, I like it. <laughs> but okay, next question. How can we equip people to be better neighbors and better society members to people who have been to prison? Like. I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. Like I said, I wouldn't go run around telling people I was been to prison. So for them to even know I was in the, in prison in the first place, they would never know that, right? Yeah, but it just like people who have been to prison in general, like outside of yourself, like how would you like say like your daughter committed a crime and yeah. like she was put out in society? How would you want her to be treated? Like kind of thing. I'd, I'd want her to be treated like everybody makes mistakes. I mean, nobody's perfect. Uh, whatever, whatever it was, as long as it wasn't something stupid. Whereas, like, uh, basically, I don't really any any type of crime. Whatever people do, that's their business. The only ones that really get to me is the ones of anything to do with children, sexual assault, shit like that. I'm I'm not good with none of that. What do you think draws somebody to crime? Like, what leads somebody to prison? Yeah, uh, money. Mm. 
money is a big big factor a lot of people are a lot of people are suffering in this world you, you know, i mean look at the look at the cost of rent like just to rent a i don't know where you are but here and here where i am it's like you can't even get an apartment for a thousand bucks you get a bachelor pad probably like it's it's ridiculous like and then you get like let's say in my situation i get eleven hundred dollars from odsp okay well i just paid a thousand dollars rent how am i gonna live for another 30 days on a hundred dollars i didn't even pay my fucking hydro bill or my gas bill or i didn't even get groceries i didn't even pay my cell phone bill i didn't pay for gas yet I, you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. so much so much like no wonder why people commit crime it's ridiculous oh yeah it makes sense if you need all that and they're not giving you like the help and you for you you can't work so it's not like it's your fault how have your experiences throughout your life shaped your understanding of the world and like of the justice system like what's your opinion on the justice system now i got no respect for the justice system they just fucking they it's all a game to them it's all money it's all about money it's all about keeping correctional officers employed it's all about keeping pro officers probation officers there's like there's many things that they could have done with a lot of people rather than send them to jail. They just rather send them to jail to keep the, keep it, everything going, keep it working, you know? Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. There's people that have been to jail that should have never been to jail in their life ever. It's something so stupid and simple. Like they could have, they could have done, community service work they could have done something better for the community like uh whatever it be go pick up garbage in a park or go down to wherever wherever. go do something like anything you could do any kind of uh, community service work at any there's a number of places that they do stuff at humane society wherever whatever it be Mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of people didn't need to go to prison for that six days seven day sentence it's ridiculous Yeah. yeah they go there and then they experience all the trauma that's within jail and then they come out and they're changed and then they're like that makes as a total different person yeah yeah and now they've seen the jail side that they've been afraid of their whole life now they've seen the jail side and they're like hey fuck this ain't that bad next thing you know (laughs) next thing you know they become a big time criminal (laughs) yeah like oh i survived that i can do that again but you only here for seven days not a whole two years seven years stuff like that like what the heck you see what's going on at the jail in Hamilton there? They're all on a hunger strike? Yeah, I did see that. I've been posting about it, actually, because, like, my dad was in there. I used to go for visitations there all the time. That's, like, my home. How long ago was your dad in there? Oh, like, a long time ago, like, before 2006, even, like. Oh, yeah? Ago. Yeah. I, I spent two and a half years in Hamilton while we are detention center in, uh, so I got arrested in 2013. Mm-hmm. I was in uh, Niagara Detention Center for seven months. They kicked me out of there. I didn't even do anything. That's the saddest part. They said I had too much influence. And then they kicked me out and sent me to Barton Street. And I was there for two and a half years. Barton yeah. yeah, Street sucks. Yeah. You want to talk about the conditions in Barton Street or any jail? Uh, uh, every jail is the same. They're all, it's, conditions are shitty everywhere. There's short staff shit that they pull, they pull all the time to people. We're short staff. We got to lock you down. You might as well just, it's the same as locking these people. You might as well just fucking have everybody, everybody in SAG. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I, I saw some guy killed himself after being like in solitary confinement for a really long time in Canada. That's what happens. You, you go crazy. You start start literally going crazy. <laughs> These people are in there like doing nothing but in their heads. They're, uh, I don't even want to get into it. This is going to make me mad. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't respect that stuff either. Yeah. Though. 
how is that making them a better person? How is that helping them become a better society member? Is that not what incarceration is for? Well, yeah, I, I got sent to Barton Street and yeah, I, I didn't have any contact with my family as much as I had in Niagara because they could drive 10 minutes and see me or I could call on a local phone call and it cost me a dollar. You know what I mean? Like now all of a sudden I go to Barton Street, I'm $20 a call basically for a 20 minute long distance call, mm-hmm. 15, 20 bucks, whatever it is. By the time they drive there and visit and everything else is like a three, four hour ordeal. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Like why, why are you charging me to communicate with my family? Like, um, you could even talk about that, like collect calls and stuff. That's, that's the title of our podcast. What do you think about collect calls? Like, is that fair to make somebody have to pay money to have a conversation? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The, the amount of money that Bell Canada is making from inmates is absolutely fucking sickening. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes, somebody goes to Maplehurst. So they call from Maplehurst to St. Catharines. All the females that get arrested in St. Catharines go to Maplehurst, Vanier, or whatever it's called, Milton, whatever. Now all of a sudden they, a 20 minute call for them is like 15, 20 bucks. They have no communication with their family. They can't afford it. (laughs) They can't afford to keep saying, yes, I accept that collect call. They can't do it. So now you got the person sitting there unable to talk to their family, unable to plan their fucking bail hearings, unable to do whatever, unable to talk to their kids all the time. It just, it makes people bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would be, I'd be pissed. And especially if like being a woman and like being incarcerated, I know you can't answer any of the questions on that. So I'm not going to ask them, but, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> like just imagining what it's like for those women, like when we're like emotional anyway, like just, in general but then to be locked up and surrounded by all these women you're poor can't afford to talk to your kids can't afford to talk to your mom whatever whatever and then you see all these other women on the phone talking for 20 minutes because they got money or something like that pissed me off and with all the lockdowns and shit that's going on people just get more edgy and irritated and then when they get out they just uh, people get yeah fights fights over nothing you know you were in jail during the the pandemic weren't you i was yeah I, I, I was I was in jail for seven years. <laughs> I got eleven and a half years back in uh, twenty sixteen. How do you think the pandemic impacted the the criminal justice system or incarceration? Like, they didn't give a fuck about anybody. They're still trans. They were still transferring people from jail to jail to jail to jail, and yeah, they didn't give a fuck. Well, did do prisoners wear masks? Like, were you guys given masks or anything? Uh, at the end, I asked for a mask and asked for a mask and gloves. And I was denied by health by healthcare. What? They said we don't we don't give that stuff out. And then not even a month later, it was made mandatory from Corrections Canada to pass out masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm immune compromised. I have cancer. I asked for a mask. You don't give me a mask? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You're trying to kill me? Um, yeah, I asked for I asked for hand sanitizer too for my hands, and they wouldn't give that either. Oh, cause it ha- well, yeah, cause the alcohol. But make one without it. Like, there's one that's that right. all free. Yeah. They just have to do the bare minimum basically is what when they come up with these big plans and they just they just bare basically do the bare minimum they don't even follow them straight through the way they're supposed to be you're supposed to be given as cleaner you're supposed to be given as wipes and all this shit to sanitize and clean and all this you don't get none of that you get masks you'll get a you'll get a watered down solution of some cleaning supply that is so watered down it doesn't even do shit one one good thing about the federal system is they actually give bleach so in the federal system, I can put bleach in a spray bottle and I can spray everything down and clean it that way. 
Mm-hmm. In the provincial system, they don't give you any of that any of that stuff. So you'll never have bleach there, and uh, you'll never be able to clean, and you'll never be able to have it again. <laughs> like it's dirty. It's so dirty. And the pandemic probably definitely made it worse because all close quarters, everybody's coughing and sneezing all over each other. You're all touching the same shit. Whether it's the yeah. phone, the toasters, the shower, the this, the, the whole jail, the TV, the remote for the TV, or on the range, like you're touching, everybody's touching everything, the bars, the this, the whatever it is, everybody's touching the the trays, the every, everything, you, you can't avoid it, it's impossible. I would be disgusted. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gross. Like the shower button, everybody, everybody has to press the shower button. Mm. Everybody has to grab the phone, you can wipe it down as much as you want, you can put your sock over that thing as much as you want. I don't think it's really going to help you. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe the sock thing, that's kind of smart, because at least there's a barrier, but still none of your whole sock is infect- infected. And then wherever you bring that sock is infected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about this earlier, but I just wanted to, like, reiterate your opinion and stuff. Like, what do you think are some alternatives to in- incarceration? You talked about, like, like I think you said, like, Habitat to Humanity or something, like, volunteering and shit. Anything. Yeah. volunteer go to the fucking graveyards and clean up out there like you could do there's so much stuff that they could do rather than sending people like after how many years now they're trying to now they're trying to really face the fact okay like we've been sending people to prison that have been using drugs for how long now it's not working it's not working these people are getting caught with little pieces of whatever they have that they're doing dope with and they're getting sent to jail for what that's not helping them you're putting them in jail yeah okay they get caught, let's say they get caught with a gram of coke or a gram of fentanyl or whatever the hell they got. Now they go to, through the court system. They go to the jail, they go into the courtroom, they come back from the courtroom, their, their bail is denied or whatever the hell. You, you end up getting 30 days or six months or whatever the hell they, they end up giving you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you just went to jail. You didn't get any help, period, for your drug addiction. It's done nothing. You keep sending people to jail and it's doing nothing. They're getting out and they're doing the same shit over and over and over and over. They've been to jail 40 fucking times. They still don't have the help that they need. It's sad. Start dealing with these people. Give them, give them a fucking probation order with, uh, with the part of the condition of the probation orders that they must attend a outpatient drug treatment or an inpatient drug treatment, like do something for them. Don't just lock them up and throw away the key for fucking a month or six months or two years or five years. Like, that's not helping them. ICPM moderate in the federal penitentiary does absolutely fuck all for an inmate that's used to using drugs. Yeah. Do you have ideas of what could help them? You said money and stuff and, like... Have a program, like, something, anything. Like, here, here... where I am in St. Catharines, you got all these people that are homeless. Well, you got all these fucking buildings that are empty that are just sitting there. Open one up. Give these people a fucking place to stay all winter. Like, feed them. Fucking do something for them. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things that they could do for people that the, the government just doesn't. They want to put money here, money there, money here, money there. Fuck, start putting money into helping these people. Yeah. That's what they need. So, how important is rehabilitation to you when it comes to talking about alternatives to incarceration like for drugs for people that do drugs huge if you could change the narrative on incarcerated people what would you want to say or do or like if you could change how people view how people talk about people who have been to jail what would you what would you want uh, to say? 
I got no nothing to say on it really. Like I can't change what people think. Yeah. They're gonna say what they wanna think and say what they wanna do or do what they wanna do and say what they wanna say regardless, you know. Do you have any stories you wanna share or any is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanna discuss? No. No. Just the part just just the part about the drugs. These people go in there they're they're committing crime to get high. They go to prison to allegedly get help. Well, the sad part is they don't get the help that everybody thinks that they're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they get out and they do the same shit over and over. It's a revolving door for them, every one of them. It's sad. Sad, saddest, saddest thing ever. <clears throat> and who suffers? Kids, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters everybody's loved ones it's, it's not it's not the person the actual person that's doing the time or the person that's doing the drugs because at that point in their life they don't give a fuck they're they're caught up in their addiction they go to jail they're still they're still caught up in their addiction they do whatever they can get their hands on in there the bottom line is they're not getting the help they need period that's where that's where i would advocate for i would rather see people get the help they need and even if it saved one fucking person's life it's worth it you know yeah at least that one is a it can be an example for others to follow at least yeah at least that one kid's gonna wake up with a mother or father at the end of the night end of the in the morning right mm-hmm. at the end of the day yeah. no it's sad <laughs> really sad <clears throat> thank you for all your like your interview and everything you said like you you touched on some amazing points so i'm sure this is this will definitely get me an a <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good right is there anything else you want to say before I, I log off? No, that's good. That's about it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening to Collect Calls, CPEP's podcast. Please be aware of the counseling resources in the description. We would like to credit Aaron from CPEP, Philip Primo from Carlton's podcast, Deborah Connors, the professor from sociology class, and Jacqueline Dompolsky, the TA and group leader. All of these people have helped our team and podcast greatly. Please listen to our other episodes to hear from other formerly incarcerated individuals and their family members. Our episodes are unique and give people a chance to voice their experiences and opinions. For more information about CPEP, please look at the links in the description.